Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're a guest with us, my name is Al. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor and privilege to preach God's Word. We've been studying a book called 1 Corinthians, and so we're finishing chapter 10 today, uh, which is, uh, uh, we've been journeying through this book the entire year. What's going to happen right now is we're going to uh, finish chapter 10 today. We're going to hit uh, uh, one more sermon in 1 Corinthians, and then we're going to take a, a break through the summer. Uh, we're, we're doing that for a few reasons. We'll explain more as it comes, but uh, we'll, be, we'll be spending the entire summer looking at uh, spiritual disciplines. Uh, what does it mean to, to practice uh, the life of a, of a Christian? How do you implement? How do they do that? What are the disciplines? Uh, we've talked about this at length about uh, following Jesus takes discipline. We spent many uh, sermons back in First uh, and Second Timothy. We were studying that last year. This now, so now we're going to look at an entire series on uh, church discipline. So that'll be coming up in a few weeks. Uh, additionally, after that, we'll jump back into First Corinthians to finish the book right before the Christmas season. So that's kind of where we're at. Where we're going. Um, and so uh, also, this is our last Sunday here at uh, just a 1030 service. So next Sunday, we'll be at two services, one at nine uh, and 11. I know it's a Memorial Day a weekend. People are uh, holiday at holiday and, you know, hanging out. I sound like a British person when I said that, at holiday. Sorry. Uh, whatever. Here we go. Uh, today's big question we're going to answer is, how should Christians partake in culture? Should they? Uh, how should they? If so, uh, that's, that's what we're asking. And so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hands. One of our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, this is our gift to you. Uh, it will be on the screen, but take it, um, read it, keep it. Uh, big question, how should Christians partake in culture? Uh, let's just be real honest. Let's be real honest. Uh, the culture that we live in is wild. It is wild, and it's only going to get more wild. I'm telling you, Next month is going to be crazy. If you don't know, you'll know soon. Um, it will be. Additionally, as we move into the next year, all the way into the election, the the following year, like we are, it's it's getting crazy and it will heat up. Uh, and I need you to see this. Um, while the world is becoming more clear about their mission, Christians should be far more clear about their mission. Because Jesus was uh, utterly clear. Uh, he is also God. Uh, so we take our orders from the commanding officer, Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead. Uh, and so we, that means we look at the Bible to give us our instruction. This is why we go verse by verse through books of the Bible. We want to look at God's word and get our instruction from him. So this is what this means. That every sermon that is preached, every time uh, we preach God's word, it's either one, uh, something that's it's speaking to something uh, that is happening now. It's present Sometimes it's speaking to things that have happened in the past to inform us on how to lead in the future. Uh, third, it's, it's, it's also sometimes uh, preparing us, simply preparing us for the future. So you need to see that the, God's Word is, is, is doing multiple things. Sometimes it's preparing us for the season God's about to take us in. Sometimes it's a word we need to hear today in order to walk out the doors and apply God's Word. Uh, other times it's speaking to things that, are, that have happened uh, maybe in our culture in the past to give us context and understanding. So I need us to see God's Word is timeless, and therefore me, it means it's always timely. And so that means when you hear sermons, when you, when you come here, you've you got to be thinking, is God speaking to me today? I need to take this and implement it right now? Is he giving me context for the world I live in to how to navigate that when we leave here for tomorrow? Is he preparing me for the future as in this week? Or is he preparing me for like a, a further future? Uh, Paul addressing the Corinthians, oftentimes uh, we've seen that he's been addressing an upcoming persecution that's going to happen to them. He was preparing them before it happened. And guess what happens? Often, always, uh, God's people, when God's preparing them for what's to come, they don't pay attention. Like all of a sudden they get, you know, to, to the future and they're like, man, I wish we had a verse for that. And then he's like, we had a whole sermon series on that. 
We had a whole, we had whole books of the Bible in that. That whole Bible reading plan that you did last year, like, they talked about that. I need you to see God is always speaking, and He speaks clear, clearly, and He's, and He's spoken clearly through His Word. And so that's what we're going to look at, God's Word. So when we ask the question, how should Christians partake in culture, we've got to go to God's Word. And so uh, Christians in culture, what does that look like? I know uh, for some of you who did not grow up in church or not, or, you weren't, or maybe you're still not a Christian, but you looked at Christians in culture and you're like, nerds, like that's what you thought. That, and so maybe that's how you feel. Let's look at it. Uh, chapter 10, verse 23, uh, all things are lawful, he says. This is a Corinthian saying. If you remember back in chapter 6, he's used this saying uh, prior. He says, this is a Corinthian saying where they're saying, all things are lawful for me. I can do whatever I want. Back in chapter 6, when he said, uh, that when he quoted the Corinthians in this regard, he was saying that, uh, that, that he was addressing how they interact with one another, how they live life with one another, uh, particularly Christians. Um, how, how do I serve my Christian brother or sister? Now he's, gonna, he's asking the question, but he's looking at the greater culture at large. Uh, what about culture? All things are lawful, he says, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, uh, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising questions on grounds of conscience. For the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. All right, so here's two. First thing, when it comes to Christians and culture, um, and, and, and I ask, I pose it that way, Christians and culture, uh, uh, as opposed to Christians in culture, because some Christians don't know that they can uh, be involved in culture. So there's two ditches that Christians tend to fall in. One camp is that they're like, I'm going to avoid culture like a plague. You know, I'm just going to avoid it. They, they want their full six feet distance between you know, themselves and culture. They want that. That's, that's, somehow, that's some ways Christians view culture. They don't want to be a part of it. Culture's evil, bad. I look at the news. I hear what's on the news. It's not good news. It's bad news. So I don't want to play a part of it. I don't want to touch it. Don't want to be around it. If I, you know, if I even get involved, I might get stained. I might get dirty. I might be unclean. So they don't even want to touch culture. So that's one group of people. That's one pitfall, uh, uh, a pit that, that Christians will find themselves in. The other is on the opposite end of the spectrum where they're just conformed to culture. Hey, culture, you tell me what to do. I'll do it. You tell me what to do, I'll do it. You tell me what to say, what not to say, how to say it, when to say it, what to wear, what to, what to put on my social media. I will do it. I answer to you, culture. So two different, and I'm telling you, neither one of those are helpful. Number one, the Christian who's like, I'm going to avoid culture is a really bad missionary because that means they have no friends. Like they actually can't do the Great Commission. <laughs> they can't because they don't have non-Christian friends. They don't even know anyone. They're like, I can't do anything. You can't be an effective Christian and avoid culture, number one. The other group is uh, they are not very good missionaries either because they compromise. They compromise. They don't teach one another to observe or obey all that Christ has commanded. They edit the Bible instead of proclaim it. Neither of these are the path of, of the Christian to avoid culture or to uh, simply conform to culture. Neither of them are good missionaries. And this is what, what we got to see is in our world today, uh, there, it, we, we have not just been sent on mission by Jesus when he resurrected from the dead, but we are, we are in mission, but also there's a counterfeit mission as well going on in our nation, in our world today. It always has been, uh, but there's a counterfeit mission. Satan and demons don't just uh, stop because, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. They're trying to convince you that it didn't happen. He's, they're trying to convince you to conform to the pattern of the world instead of being transformed. They're trying to convince you that it is better to uh, take the path of least resistance than the path that brings the most glory to God. They're trying to t- 
tell you and teach you to maybe uh, be so afraid of culture that you just run, hide, and get away, and you, know, you, don't, even in, you don't even interact with culture anymore, except for when you order Amazon, because you know, you're secluded and you can't get groceries if you don't do that, like, which is a cultural use, by the way. Uh, you can't run from culture. You live in it. Unless you want to like live in the woods and not use uh, electricity. That's the only way. There's, even electricity is a cultural uh, item. So the demonic counterfeit of our day will say he will want you to be scared so that you run to the, one of those two poles. Avoid or conform. They, the, the, the demonic counterfeit of our day wants you to be silent so that you just don't offend anyone. Or, they, or, or to be, ultimately, the demonic counterfeit wants to control you. We're not to be controlled uh, by culture, but to be controlled by God and the Holy Spirit as we interact in culture. So that's what he's talking about here today. And he says, first thing you got to ask yourself when you're engaging culture is that, uh, is it lawful? It's a great question to start with. First, is it legal? Like, is it legal? If the answer is no, it is not legal, then no. You can't do that. It's pretty like drinking and driving, illegal. You're like, that. we just can't do that one. If you do, there's, there's consequences. All right, so what about uh, things that are legal? And that's what is more uh, important for us to discuss because there's a lot of things legal in our day that are not Christian. A lot, a lot. And so the, the next question we have to ask is not just what is it, law, is it lawful according to the, 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 the government, government and the day and age and the season you live in, but is it lawful according to God's word? Is it lawful according to God's word? That's the first question you've got to ask. And so when Christians, as, as, when they're engaging in culture, we've got to see that we are free in Christ to engage in culture where we live, work, and play, but we have to ask the question, what does the Bible say? Because the Bible isn't just, uh, it, you need to see this, it's not a rule book for life. It's not a roadmap for life. It is God talking to you and I. It's, it's God speaking to his creation. When God created the heavens and the earth and he created man, he, he sh- how does man know anything about the world we live in? God shows up and tells us. Well, how did it happen? Was it one day or seven days? I don't know. Let's ask God. He tells us. Are we male or female? I don't know. He tells us. Should we, should we do this or should we do that? I don't know. He tells us. What's our mission? He tells us. How do we navigate? He tells us. Now, some of you are saying that sounds like a bunch of rules. No, he tells us the principles. He gives us the freedom to figure out how to work it out in the context of every culture and everyday life. And so this is what we're, they're going to be talking about food sacrificed to idols. And uh, we're in, 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 in the you know, marketplace, we're going to buy food. That's not a problem in our day and age. We have different cultural issues. So we're going to talk about some of ours. We'll explain theirs as well. But the question is, what does God's word say? What is God? And I want you to hear, when you hear that, what does the Bible say? Or what does God's word say? What has God told me about this issue? That's what you should be, that's what you should see. It's not just, oh, it's a book that those people believe and they form their life according to. This is talking about God speaking to every human being who's ever lived on the face of planet earth. He says that the earth is the Lord's, in verse 26, and the fullness thereof. God calls the shots for everyone. And so what does God say to us? Well, just because it's legal 
in whatever culture, whatever country, whatever nation, whatever you find yourself, just because it's legal may not mean it's biblical. So it's legal to sleep with your girlfriend before you get married. It's legal. God's word says not to. It's legal to, uh, you know, get drunk. God says don't. See, it's illegal to drink and drive, but it's not permissible by God, according to God's standard to be filled with drunkenness. It's legal to have sinful anger. It's legal to have sinful anger and say it on social media. Only for some people. It's legal to have bitterness, to sinful bitterness. It's legal to be lazy. None of those are Christian. It's not, it's not okay to have sinful anger, bitterness, or laziness. It's legal to watch certain types of pornography. It's illegal according to God's word, in ways to watch any kind. See, we live in a world where, where many of these practices that I just discussed are, are, are not just culturally legal, but they're expected depending on your peer groups. Like every college dude is like expected to be looking at porn. Some people think that every high school kid, and some mo- mothers will actually, and fathers will introduce their children to pornography at a young age so that they can be cool. Demonic. Awful. Counterfeit of what God has has declared what is right and good. Just because a practice is normal, just because a practice is normal, and just because uh, uh, it is legal doesn't make it beneficial, right, or good according to God's word well and ways. All right? So that's what we got to be asking ourselves. What does the Bible say? Now, in order to, you know, uh, get in trouble, I'll just bring up one more thing. Um, it's expected for us as Americans in the United States of America to next month to celebrate Pride Month. It's expected that we would. It's actually the biggest month of celebration our entire month. Like black history is gone now. Like it's all about Pride Month. True, it is. There's more information and more uh, proclamation regarding Pride Month than any other month. And so this is, this is right and true. So should Christians, can Christians lawfully celebrate uh, Black History Month? Absolutely. Being black is not a sin. It, you've been made in the image of God, regardless of your color, your race, your background, your socioeconomic status. But to be uh, pride is not celebrating um, what God has made. It's, it, it's actually celebrating a counterfeit, a rebellion against God. Something that God is, is not lawful according to his word, will, and ways. And so I want you to see this is right in our face. And this is why I'm addressing it, because we're about to be Christians. We're, we are, hopefully we are, or some of you are about to be. Um, you're becoming Christians. Jesus is saving you. But we're, we're Christians living in a day where we're about to enter into a month, and we have to ask the question, how do I, inter- how do I interact with, with, with June? Do I sit back? Do I participate? Do I avoid it? Do I, what do I do in June? What's going on? Should Christians celebrate Pride Month? Well, here's the reality. Your, your company will lose its social status if you don't. Uh, there, there's great cultural incentive to celebrating Pride Month. There's literally a social or credit score for your business that, that if you have, that if you have uh, in celebrating it, you get more points regarding your diversity and inclusion rights in, 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 your, in your corporation, which means that you have a higher score, which means you get more uh, support from, from outside donorship and lobbyists who will fund and, 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 and support you. This is true. 
And so Christians feel the pressure, but I need you to see Christian businesses will feel the pressure as well. Should I participate? This could help my business. I want you to see, uh, this is not just the, something I, I'm, I'm sharing flippantly, but, but this is why organizations like Target, organizations like Bud Light or Nike have, have made such a big push in a recent cultural moment is so that not because they're, they're virtue signaling. This is not simply a virtue signal. This is coming from, from lobbyists and funding that, are, that, that will uh, threaten and will uh, oppose any of these large companies who don't conform to the standard that the culture has set. I'm telling you it's coming for churches too. There's going to one day be this, this social credit score for churches, how you can figure out which church you can go to. Are they inclusive in this way? Do they celebrate Pride Month in this? It's going to be a thing. Because you know what? Churches are hurting for money. They are. Uh, across, the people, we're losing people, not our church, but uh, 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 churches uh, uh, across the world are, are closing every single day. And so there's going to, I'm telling you, there's going to be an incentive in our nation to punt on the gospel, to sell out to the culture, to conform to the patterns of the world as opposed to being transformed. That's, what, that's what's coming. And churches are going to have this, these scores on, on who is uh, socially fit to continue. And the churches that aren't are going to be picketed, protested, uh, threatened. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. So you're going to see it next month. Churches around our city are going to declare which team they're on with their flags. They're going to declare which team they're on. And so what I'm saying is that should we participate? How do you participate? Is it? It's legal. It's not just legal. It's, it's aren't we supposed to be about building? Well, the text says we should build people up. And I'm told that affirmation, celebrating, honoring tells me how I can Love them. That's what the, the, the community tells me. The pride community tells me that's how you do it. But I got to ask the question, what does the Bible say? That's the first question we must ask. Well, some of you will, well, I want to be loving. And I want to be loving too. So let's look at God's word and, and let's define love according to his word, will and ways. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6. We're going to get to 1 Corinthians 13 later, but figured we'd go there right now. It says this, love is patient. So as we're engaging in culture, there's got to be a level of patience you have. Patience is, is not a, a hot commodity in our, or it is a hot commodity in our society. No one has it. Like it, it no one has patience. And this is long-suffering, endurance. Be patient and kind. Love is, does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way, like a corporate, like a, like, you know, people telling you what you must do in your, your company or the government telling you what you should do. I'm telling you, the people in power are not loving. They're insisting on their own way. Christians insist that Jesus is God. It's up to him to change your heart and mind. We're just telling you the truth. It, it, it does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It, here's, here's what we need to see. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth. So you go next month. Like, what do you, you got? You're stuck with the question. I mean, I have friends in, in the pride community. I have family members. I, I love them. I care. Like, I really do love them. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means that we, we don't rejoice in wrongdoing. We don't. 
We don't. We don't celebrate, rejoice in wrongdoing. But we rejoice in the truth. So how do we engage in a culture with a, with a people that we love? We really do love. We, we, we want to participate in culture with them. We want to engage on Jesus' terms. And so that may mean you have to have conversations that say, like, hey, I love you. And I believe you are made in the image of God. You do have human value. But I cannot celebrate and affirm what God says is wrong. I can't. I can't. We can still be friends. I just can't celebrate what God says is wrong. Just like I can't celebrate when a dude is like, man, I have this porn addiction. I'm not throwing a party and putting up a flag and going, praise God. The dude's got a porn problem. This is awesome. This is like, let's make a shirt for it. Oh, wait, we do that. We're doing that. In the public sphere. That's why Target's getting flack right now. Rightfully, they should be. Talk about that as we go. But what we're saying is, just like someone, like, like someone comes to me and says, hey, I'm cheating on my wife. I don't throw a party. I celebrate. That's awesome. I have seen, however, driving down the road, billboards that say, want a divorce? Like, I can help you. Like, that's wrongdoing. That's evil. We don't rejoice in that. Like, my husband's a psycho, maybe. And there may be biblical reasons for divorce. But we don't go around promoting it, celebrating it, wanting it, desiring it. And so it's, I want you to see, we're not just knocking. I, this, when, some people are like, oh, you just seem like you're just knocking this community. No, we knock all the communities, ourselves included. We're equal opportunity offenders. The Bible offends us all. It's just we're walking into a month where Christians are going to grapple with this reality. And this is why I believe God's word is timeless. I didn't plan for this, this to be in uh, this sermon the week before June. I wasn't thinking that. Oh, I oh, set up the sermon calendar. Oh, man. All the way around, you know, these couple verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, will it, will it land right before June? No. So I'm saying God's word is timely, it's always on time. So no flags. No pronouns, no rejoicing in wrongdoing. And I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, and a lot of folks won't like this. And, and we need, you need to see this. We love the people in the, quote, pride community. We love them. And just like we don't force them to worship Jesus, we don't, force, we don't want to be forced to celebrate what God forbids. We don't want to rejoice in wrongdoing. Actually, not just we don't want to be forced, we're not going to. But we're going to rejoice in the truth. You actually see this in, in books of the Bible like, uh, like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where uh, two, three Hebrew boys were forced to worship the golden image or the, the, the idol of the culture. The government said, hey, everyone's got to worship this. Everyone's got to celebrate this. Everyone's got to put their pronouns. Everyone's got to get, their, get their, uh, their flag and their bio. Everyone's got to do this. And they said, no. That's what they told them. If you don't do this, they threatened. The government said, if you don't do this, you don't conform because we're so loving and tolerant that we were going to force you to do this. Um, if you don't, and we insist on our own way, if you don't do this, we're going to throw you in fire. We're going to burn you alive. Sounds loving. Sounds inclusive. Right? What do they do? They say, you know, no. They say, no. We're not going to do that. They don't bow down and worship the idols of the culture. Well, guess what happens? They get thrown in the fire. 
What I'm telling you is just because you don't conform and just because you don't bow your knee and just because you don't uh, rejoice in wrongdoing, but you, you hold the line according to God's word and you only rejoice in the truth, just because you do what God's word says doesn't mean you're not going to get lit on fire. Doesn't mean people aren't going to get upset with you. Doesn't mean you're not going to lose friends. Doesn't mean you're not going to get actually fired from your job. It might really be those things. And those three Hebrew boys said, hey, you know what? God can, God's going to protect us. And even if he doesn't, they say, even if he doesn't, we will not bow our knee and worship this idol. This is the heart of Christianity, is that we have one God. We worship one God. We bow our knee to one God. There's only, we worship Jesus only. So when we're engaging culture, Christians aren't compromising don't engage culture in such a way where we, we just got to, you know, do a little sin to make us look cool. We're authentically 100% Christians as we engage with culture. We're not conformists. Next question we have to ask ourselves is, uh, what, is this helpful? I'm engaging in culture. Is it helpful? Now, some of you will say, everything you just said was unhelpful. It seems like you're very narrow-minded. You're bigoted. It's unhelpful. I'm going to get in trouble. Like, if I don't, if I take down my, you know, flag on my bio, then they're going to notice. Or, ah, what do I do? I'm telling you this. One of the reasons why I bring up the, the issues, of cultural issues, especially like Pride Month, is that because it's, what's actually not helpful is being vague. So many churches, just vague. What do you believe? Ah, oh, we believe in love. Okay, define it. Yeah, we, we it's, some Christians defining love are like, you know, people trying to define a woman in our country. Like, it's awful. They don't even know how to define it. They don't know it. They're like, love, well, well, to me it means, to you it means. And it's wild that Christians can't define love when the whole chapter that they read at their wedding about love. They're like, I read 1 Corinthians 13 at our wedding. This is what love is, honey. I love you. And they're like, no, nah, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Well, to me, love means it's clear. Jesus is clear about love. What's unhelpful is being unclear, is being unclear. So the reason why we, we, we try to be clear on some of these issues is not to, to, to pick fights. It's not to, uh, it's to be clear. It's to be clear. And my job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. As you live your life and do ministry out in the world, you got to be clear. So when you come into contact with, with, with some social pressure at work or wherever you live uh, or wh wh wherever you're associating and you, and you feel like you have to conform, you got to, what does the Bible say? And how do I wield it in such a way that I'm still loving to others? And one of the ways you're loving is just, you got to be clear. You got to be clear. And so, same thing is true when it comes to, to music, food, art, TV, entertainment, sports, culture at large. Is it lawful? Is it legal? Does the Bible forbid it? If it does, no. It, does the, what about if it's, it's the Bible doesn't prevent, uh, uh, prevent it? What about it, if it is legal? So, we got two checks down the line. Is it helpful? Some things are just not helpful. You know what's not helpful? You know, eating so much food you're sick every day. Like, it's just like, it's just not helpful. Or, you know, drinking in such a way that you can't get up and go to work every day. You're not getting drunk, but you're always kind of like, ah, tired. Or maybe staying up late night playing video games. How many college kids, like, this is just unhelpful to their studies and their future. Just like, man, you're just gaming all night. And you're like, man, I'm a little late to work now. Well, that's just unhelpful. It's not illegal. God doesn't forbid it, but it's stupid. 
Like there's certain stupid things that you just not do. It's not helpful. It's not helpful to you, man. I'm watching. Maybe you're watching. Uh, uh, maybe sports, and you're like, man, it just consumes me in such a way that I'm not addicted, but like, you know, sometimes it makes me really mad when my team loses, and now the rest of the day I'm just bitter. Well, it's not helpful to watch that game. There's some repentance that needs to happen there. Is it helpful? Is it helpful? Well, is the art you're, you're, you're looking at or partaking in, whether it be music or, 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 or other types of art, are they helpful? You've got to ask yourself, not just is, is the, is, are the things I'm engaging in, whether it be food, um, music, art, TV, whatever it is, is it, is it legal? Is it honoring to God? All right. Is it helpful? There's some things that are just not helpful, but yet they're not forbidden by the Scriptures. Is it helpful? Next, is the third question you've got to ask is, does it build or bless, build others up and bless them? Or does it tear down and destroy them? I want you to see, because this is why I bring up the pride issue, because some of you, and some will say, well, hey, speaking out against it or saying that, that Christians should not celebrate in Pride Month, uh, they, they, that means they're rejoicing in wrongdoing. Well, it sounds like that doesn't build others up. And so Christians get real, they, they, they struggle here. And this is what the enemy would want to do. This is what I'm saying. He wants to create fear in you and create hostility in you to where you don't do anything you just clam up just hide just don't say anything i'll share that guy's posts he'll get in trouble like sure the question you got to ask when you're engaging in culture is is are you seeking the good of your neighbor he literally says he seeks the good of his neighbor right in verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but seek the good of his neighbor. And what is, what is good for our neighbors is not defined by our neighbor. I need you to do that. Your neighbor doesn't find, define good. God defines good. So it is really unloving and not very good uh, to your neighbor to, to not love them, be benevolent to them, care for them, and also introduce them to Jesus, who loves them and wants them to have a, a new life, actually have their sins forgiven, be whole, complete. It's very unloving to not introduce them to Jesus. So in the world we live in, the world only, the culture at large thinks about themselves only. And whether you know it or not, you've been indoctrinated by it, you grow up in it, like, you know, we're a very individualistic society. Uh, we think of ourselves more than anyone. We want to do what makes us happy, and we don't really care about anyone else other than ourselves. That's the, we serve ourselves, we want to bless ourselves, we want, we want to do all these things. This is the, the nature of the culture we live in. And so I need you to see, when we're, when we're engaging with culture, not only are we looking at uh, uh, what, what is lawful, what is biblical, what is it helpful, but also how, how can I engage in such a way to build others up and bless them? My tone, my attitude, how do I explain what God's word says in a way that will, to the best of my ability, build and bless and help others? Be clear, see who Jesus is, navigate forward. Verse 25, he says that eat Whatever is sold, the, the meat in the market, without raising questions on grounds of conscience. For the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. What he is saying here is specifically Paul is addressing food that might be sacrificed to idols that's, that's like sold at H-E-B. Right? At the marketplace. He said when you go to H-E-B, uh, you, you don't need to go ask the, the butcher, hey man, is this demon meat? Like is this the demon one? Which one's the demon one? No, no hormones? Okay, that's the good one. Like, what? The, you know, we don't, that's not what you're doing. You're not looking for uh, the marbling plus demon meat. Like, that's not what you're doing when you're picking your steaks. He says, just go to the store, go to the market, don't ask questions, not in a sense of ignorance, but just like, God owns everything. God owns everything. Just don't be afraid of the demon meat. 
what if they tell me it's demon meat? We're going to get to that in a moment. So that means when you're engaging in culture, Christians have this great freedom to just go and partake. And as long as it's not sinning according to God's word or according to conscience, it's just, you, you, and, you're, and you're being helpful. You're not, you're not seeking to harm people. Like, it's just, you're free. You're free. So the marketplaces, your, your purchases, the companies, the products, like you're free to engage in culture. And, and what he says here is that you'll need to raise questions. You'll need to be, go around and ask questions. And now the question everyone will be asking, especially in light of Target, is like, what happens if they tell us? What happens if they tell us they're evil? Well, we'll, we'll get there. But the overarching principle here is that God owns everything. This is, a, this is a principle that Christians need to grab a hold of and get real fast. God owns it all. The earth is whose? What does the text say? The earth is whose? You can go ahead and you can say it. You can read it and say it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Whose is it? The Lord's. The earth, everything in it is his. You're like, oh, well, maybe. Uh, that's a quote from the Old Testament. It's always been his. It's always been his. So that's the overarching principle here is the world is, is, is God's. The world is not government. The world is not the activist. It's not Satan. It's not demons. It is God's. Jesus is Lord, and he owns it all. Therefore, you're free to eat, enjoy, partake in culture, following the principles we've lined out up to this point, and provided you're not sinning or you know, participating in wickedness, you are free to engage and live in culture. And with that said... God, moreover, with that said, at creation, when God created Adam and Eve, he, he told them they were to rule and exercise dominion and to be creators and cultivators, not just merely consumers or complainers. I get it. I spent a lot of time still on this one point. We're going to stay here a little longer. Um, but let me reference first uh, uh, Genesis 1, chapter 26. Hear this. It's not going to be on the screen. It says, God said, let us make man in our likeness or in our image after our likeness, and let them, meaning male and female, husband and wife together, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the, the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So everything. God says, hey, we're going to create man in our image, mankind in our image, and they're going to rule and reign. God is going to give his, his authority to Adam and Eve to rule and reign and to, to live and lead and rule and cultivate the world that they've been given by God according to God's word, will, and ways. There's to reflect God as rulers and cultivators. Verse uh, 15 of chapter 2 in Genesis, it says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to do what? Work it and keep it. This is the idea of cultivating. I need you to see that mankind has been given dominion over the world. Dominion. I don't like that word. I'm sorry. It's what the word says. You're a ruler. The question is, are you a good ruler? Look around. You look at Christians. You're like, man, they're avoiding everything. They're either, when you, you look at the Christians compromising, you're like, he's a bad ruler. He just does whatever the culture says. Oh, what about the one who's hiding? Well, he's a coward. We don't like any of those guys. They're not either of them are doing what God has commanded to, to rule in such a way that reflects the image and glory of God additionally and to cultivate things so it grows. And, and the glory of God continues to be manifest and seen and enjoyed by everyone. See, we live in a world when, when Christians engage in culture, they just think, can I play, can I play or not play? Christians, you should be creating culture. 
not just consuming it. You were not created by God to just pound food, pound beer, pound your, your head against the TV, watching the culture implode. You were created to cultivate what's good and godly and to continue to create and, and, and invest in the culture in order that there would be flourishing for all, all mankind. So to, 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 be, to have rule or have dominion means you're responsible. That's what that means. That's why we don't like it. That's why we don't want no one wants to be responsible. Anyone want to be responsible? Like, I'm res- we're responsible for the world? Yep. Hear this. I don't think Christians get it. You are responsible for why the world is going to hell in a handbasket like it is today. No one tells you that. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's our responsibility. We have punted on our responsibility in cities across our country, our nation, and the world have lost their mind. And Christians are going, who's going to fix it? You are. I'm not. I know you aren't. That's why we're in the position we're in. That's why we're here. It is our job as though God has given us dominion, meaning we're responsible. We're responsible. A word that our world desperately needs to understand. Responsibility. Cultivator means we got to work and keep. Have you ever tried to plant something? It's hard. you got to water it. San Antonio summer is about to come. All your little gardens that y'all got going are about to die if you don't get out there and cultivate. All of them. You're going to go out of town for two weeks for vacation, come back, your plants are dead. You're like, dang, what? I, just, I just didn't stop doing something for two weeks. I know. Imagine the Christian just taking a break from being a Christian for two weeks. Dead. Your fruit, dead. You don't just play Christian on Sunday, maybe Wednesday, maybe when I go to a community group, and you just somehow during the week, every now and then, three out of five days, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian all the time. And you got to be cultivating, working. You're like, man, that sounds hard. It is. It's worth it. But it's hard. Nothing in life that you love is not worth the hard, the hard work it takes. God has set you over. So think about it. You as an individual, and then I want you to think about your families. God has set you over certain domains to rule. First domain is yourself. As a Christian, you are responsible for your relationship with Jesus. Some of you are not Christians. You need to become one. Jesus is chasing you. He wants you to, to see that he is the only God. He wants to save you. But you are responsible for your relationship with Jesus. This is why I don't understand you know, uh, all these like accountability groups. Every college guy is, it's only, I'm only, I can't do this without accountability. Well, guess who's going to call you to account on the day of the Lord? God. Be scared of him, not your accountability group leader. That's, that's bogus. You take responsibility for your own life. Can other people come alongside you, help support, help cultivate, bless, build? Absolutely. Should they? Yes. At the end of the day, you are responsible. My group didn't tell me, didn't help me out. I was in need. No, you're responsible, Christian. Next, your spouse. If you're married, you're, you're now responsible in your home. First, to be a Christian, then to be a godly husband or a godly wife. Third, your next domain is, in this order, Christian, spouse, mother or father if you have kids. Don't, don't put your kids over your spouse. Your, your next domain is being a mother or father. And the fourth would be your job, your vocation, your work in that order. 
Those are the first domains that you have dominion over to rule and reign and to cultivate. Cultivate your relationship with Jesus. Cultivate your relationship with your spouse. Cultivate your relationship with your, with, uh, your kids. Cultivate in your job, your work. And then from there, continue to, to follow those principles as God gives you more authority, more responsibility, more domains. When you're faithful with little, God will give you much. Some of you don't have much because you can't be faithful with one. Be a Christian. Be a husband and wife. Be a mother and father. Be an excellent worker in your job. Take ownership. Take responsibility. Cultivate. The, art, uh, or the work of cultivation is hard work. It takes grit. It takes strength. But take heart. God owns it all. God owns it all. So that should empower you to live as a Christian in this world engaging in culture. We should be creating culture, not just consuming culture. So that overflows if you know if you if you're working in a relationship with, with, with Jesus and your in your your spouse and your kids, and when you go to work, you're working for a different reason than everyone else is. You're working for a legacy of future generations. You're working as a as a farmer would plant and sow and water so that there'd be a field of harvest, not just for his family, but for all for the neighborhood, the nation, the world. That's what you're doing. So that means that if, 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 you, if you're taking responsibility as a Christian you're, you're, and, 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 and then you move into the workplace, you're now taking responsibility of your workplace and you're, so you're going to sow, cultivate, create, maybe start a new business, maybe, maybe help start a new business. You start creating, cultivating, spending, and you're like, look around and like, oh man, I can support all these companies. Right now all the Christians are like, I don't know what, what we're going to do because I can't support any companies. Well, create something, do something. Don't just complain. There's one, word, there's one thing in our family we don't tolerate. We don't tolerate complaining. Zero toleration for complaining. Also in the church, just so you know, if you come to me and complain, I won't tolerate. It's just zero tolerance for complaining. We take responsibility. We get to work. We work hard, but we don't complain. We don't merely consume. We create. All right, that's point number one. What about your Christian witness and evangelism? Your, your Christian life is to be bearing witness in word and deed as you're engaging in culture. Um, and so for chapter, chapter 10, verse 27 says, uh, if one of the unbelievers, so this is the question, what happens when uh, uh, we find out that, you know, things aren't uh, as good as you think they are? You're engaging in culture, and what if someone says it's demonic? Here we go. It says, what, what, if, what if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner, you are... Uh, and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is before you without raising questions on the ground of conscience. So first, I want you to see this. This means, this would imply, this would be life-changing for some of you. I'm not doing that to mock you. I really am not. I'm just saying. If, it implies that you have non-Christian friends. I want you to do that. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner, that means you've got to have friends. Non-Christian friends. Friends that eat with you. So don't be so annoying that you don't have any friends that can invite you over to dinner. This, is, this might be homework for some of you. You're like, I got to go. I got to make a friend. That, I got to make a non-Christian friend. And I got to make a friend, and hopefully one day they'll invite me to dinner. Not just me inviting them everywhere. My coworkers, why, why does anyone invite me to lunch? Am I annoying? Maybe. Have some friends. So context here, like the dude's house, he, he's, he's going over to a non-Christian friend's house. But he says, if someone says to you, uh, he says, if go and eat, eat without ever raising question. It's, you go over to a vegetarian's house, don't complain. But, uh, you're going to your non-Christian vegetarian friend's house, and they're like, hey, we're not having, you know, we're not having meat. Don't make, 
beat jokes. Don't make fun of them. I'm preaching to the choir here. This is my, this is my sin. This is where I will want to. I'm going to eat the veggie burger. I'm going to eat the, the kale salad. I'm going to eat it, not complaining. Just eat it. Just eat it. Don't complain. Again, no complaining. Even, I've even done this before. Some of you know I hate cream cheese. I hate cream cheese. Sour cream as well. I've been to places where I've had to eat cream cheese. I threw up one time. Not in front of them. <laughs> Don't raise any questions. Run to the bathroom, maybe. I did. I threw up. Cream cheese cracker. I just couldn't help it. I hid. I didn't want to offend them. This is what he's saying. Like, you should have non-Christian friends. You should not try to offend them all the time. You're trying to accommodate, trying to, man, I don't want to be the person coming in and making everything weird for you. Just, I only eat the cream cheese. There was a time also that I ate an entire enchiladas of, of sour, filled with sour cream. The whole thing, I did the whole thing, couldn't, like, I was sick for days. I just ate them. Just drank a lot of water in between. Like, I was sweating, not because it was spicy, but because, like, I, it was hard. I wish they would have said, this food has been sacrificed to idols. I'd be like, thank you. Yes, it is. Oh, my gosh. Praise God. I cannot eat it. That's what he says. If someone says to you, this has been offered to, uh, this is an uh, offered in sacrifice, meaning to an idol, do not eat it. Whoo. That would have been a great day. Too bad. No idols. Just cream cheese. Uh, then don't eat it. They didn't tell, maybe they didn't tell me. Um, for the sake, he says, don't eat who? For the sake of the one who informed you, for, for the sake of their conscience. Uh, and I do not mean uh, your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, uh, why am I den denounced because of, of, of that which I give thanks? And so he's like, be, be thankful that you're going over to non-Christian friends' house. Be thankful for the food that they're giving. Be thankful that you have non-Christian friends. Thankful that you have any friends. Thankful, be thankful for the food. But if they, and don't say anything. Don't ask any weird questions. But if they bring it up, hey, bro, we just got done sacrificing this meat to an idol. You're like, who cannot do that? Even if it's a good, good, you know, medium rare, great steak, you know, you're just like, wow, this is maybe the best steak I've ever seen. Nope, can't eat it. Can't eat it. You just can't. Why? It's for their sake. Their sake. This is another example of being clear. He's saying, this is for the sake of the one who told you. And what you're doing, he's saying, hey, I'm sorry, I can't eat of the demon meat because if you didn't tell me, I would have. But, uh, you know, I got to be clear with you. I worship Jesus. I love Jesus, and I know you may know that, but like Christians don't partake with other gods. Like Jesus is jealous, and like he's going to wipe away your gods at the end of the day, and like it's going to be really bad for, for the, your gods. But uh, I love you, and I want you to know Jesus, and I want you to know that I love Jesus so much that, and I love you too, but I love Jesus so much that I can't, I can't offend him. I get it. I might offend you for not eating your food, but, I, but I'd rather offend God than I would rather not offend God at the, at the risk of offending you. That's, I'm more afraid of God than you, man. I'm sorry. I can't eat this meat. I can't. Like, I thought I was going to have to do this one time with a bunch of Hindu friends of mine who work in the temple, uh, one of the temples in the city, and like, they're the cooks. And I'm like, they, they invited us to, to, uh, to this feast. And I was like, man, I, I, I might not be able to eat. I'm walking in, no questions. I'm like, please don't say, please don't say. 
anything about this curry being sacrificed to idols. And they didn't. It was not so good, praise God. But the point is, like, at that moment, I remember going, hey, man, we're going to have to step up and we're going to have to say this. I was with other, three other Christian guys and a bunch of uh, Hindu folks uh, who are dear friends of ours who have even come to church, and we love them so much. They're, they're, their wives sometimes cook for, for our families. It's just, it's, it's just really great relationship. But we have to tell them. We have to be clear. Hey, I can't eat food sacrificed to idols. I know some of you, that, that's not your normal uh, interactions with idol meat, but what about when you're hanging out with your friends and they're like, hey, let's gossip about someone. Ladies, ever been there? We don't do that either. Uh, I got I to gotta exit the conversation and can't be, I can't be gossiping here. Um, uh, what about uh, you're, at, you're hanging out with your, your friends, your non-Christian friends, you're going, um, maybe, maybe one of them's getting married and they're like, hey, let's uh, bash the party, we're hanging out, having fun, and they're like, hey, let's go to a strip club. That's where you go, nope, not going. You tell them, you don't just disappear. Oh, just, we're, we're all going, and you just, like, drive it to a different place. Don't be a coward. Like, they think you're there, just so you know they think you're there. They're not, gonna, they're not like, you know, high school you know, bus driver making sure every seat's full when they're, they're heading there. They, they don't care uh, um, that what you think, but they also don't assume that you're not there. They're just like, I'm there for myself. Need you to see. That's when you stand up and say, "No, I can't do that. I can't partake in that. I'm a Christian, and I have a, I, either if I have a wife, then that's sinning against her as well. And if I don't, I'm sinning against my future wife that I don't yet know. Uh, I, I can't. Like, oh well, what about like we're gonna do drugs or, or go get drunk? Uh, like that's the goal. No, I can't participate in these things. I'll drive you home, I, but I'm not gonna participate in wickedness. You're engaging in culture, but you're not compromising. That's what he's seeing there. He's got to be clear. And same thing with business. If, you, if, if, you're, if your job is asking you to do something that's ungodly, whether it be um, you know, uh, lying, cheating, stealing, uh, something like that, uh, something illegal, uh, you got to show up and you got to say, I can't do that. I want you to see we're not, it's not just about the, the Pride Month stuff. It's everything. Sports too. Like it, it, art, whenever we're participating in culture, if there's a line that's going to be like, oh, I, we got, we're about to cross it and move into to some sort of wickedness or idolatry, I got to say no. Can't be a part of it. God's word forbids that. I love you. I want to have a conversation with you. Uh, maybe I'll talk to you later about this, uh, but I cannot participate. That's what he's saying. And I'll say this. It's getting really hard, and it will be. And some of you, you don't have non-Christian friends, so I'm going to tell you this. It's going to be hard to get one. So you're looking at your holiness based upon, can I get a non-Christian friend to invite me to dinner? You might not, none of, <laughs> you may not be able to. Because we live in a world today where the world now uh, uh, builds friendships based upon ideologies. And no longer about, around shared interests. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go try to have non-Christian friends. You absolutely all should. Don't, none of that should be an excuse for you. But I'm telling you, it's becoming really hard to keep non-Christian friendships uh, in, in our day and age. Like just look, just if you remember, like we, we were like, hey, uh, our, our whole culture was like, I can't hang out with you if you don't have a vaccine. Like now we can't be friends. Or uh, you only got one of them, not two of them. Um, like, like this is literally what we did. Or you're masked, you're not masked. Or, or you didn't vote this way, so I can't be friends with you. Um, uh, this was at the culture at large. Like people were like, oh, I'm on dating apps, and I can't, I can't you know, uh, be friends with anyone who, uh, you know, as, as these type of tweets or these type of social media posts. Like, it's a weird world we live in that we build our friendships based upon ideologies, not off about shared interests anymore. And so you may not be affirming enough. There's a lot of things that, that just may not happen in our world today where, where, where the world has been taught to build their friendships off of certain ideologies. Christians, that should not be so for you. You shouldn't be going, hey, you don't, we don't agree. I can't be your friend. Like, oh, we don't agree. I want to be your friend. I want to learn from you. I want to teach you something too. I want to know what is going on. How do you think this way? Why do you think this way? 
I want to I want to help you see what I see. Like I want to be real normal. Um, and uh, we're moving forward. Christians are going to be the only normal ones. If the world doesn't know how to have not have 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 competing uh, relationships that that compete with ideologies, like they don't know. It's going to be a, a novel thing moving forward. Is that Christians? This is why you got to get friends. You got to act like a friendly person, engage with culture, because we're lose, the, the, the whole world we live in is losing their ability to have, have social interactions and have actual formative friendships. It's gone. We'll be the only ones if we obey God's word. And so what we're saying is that I understand it's going to be hard to have non-Christian friends, and hard because mainly for them. They're, they're not going to want to be friends with you. But if you are patient, you're kind, you're sharing uh, what's true, you're being clear with them, um, you'll, you'll have some, you'll, 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 by the grace of God, have an effect. Uh, next, whose glory are you seeking? So when asking these questions, when, asking all, when, when engaging with culture, at the end of the day, you've got to ask this question, whose glory are you seeking? Is it yours or God's? He says this, uh, so verse 31, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So you're free in Christ. Engage with culture. Eat, drink, have fun to the glory of God. If, it, if, it, if God forbids it, you don't partake. But he says, give no offense to the Jews. He's like, try not to offend the Jews. Try not to offend the Greeks. Try, try not to offend the other Christians. And he says, verse 33, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, I do not seek my own advantage, but I seek uh, that of many, uh, that many may be saved. Like I'm trying to get people to meet Jesus. I'm not trying to offend anyone. So if your goal as a Christian is to offend someone, you got the wrong goal. The goal is the glory of God. Does this bring God the most glory? So when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, are you living in a relationship with him in a way that brings him glory? Is your relationship with your spouse uh, or, or your girlfriend, whoever you're, you're, you're in relationship with, is it done in a way that glorifies God? Kids, uh, you, your, your, your mom or dad, are you parenting in such a way that glorifies God? If you are a child and you, or you are in, in your, your parents' home, are you doing this? Are you living in such a way that glorifies God? Or are you choosing the path of least resistance, the easy path, the path that's, that I just want to be told what to do. I don't want to really do anything. I don't want to really engage with culture. I really don't want to cultivate anything. I just want to exist. Which path are you on? God has called us to be on the path that brings God the most glory. And that's what we should be asking ourselves. When we engage in culture, when we engage in relationships, in everything we engage, in everything we do, we should be saying, hey, how is God going to get the most glory in this? Is it shoving the, you know, the, the, the cheese or the sour cream in my mouth and finishing it so I don't offend everyone and just, I'm going to take one for the team? Maybe. It was. And just think about, imagine you cooking food for someone, they throw up right in front of you. It's just disrespectful. Like, I couldn't help it, but I just still is disrespectful. You're like, ah. You're like, well, I could have just told them I don't eat that food. And then just been like, ooh, I have an allergy. You know, they would love that. Like, oh, yeah, sure. You have an allergy. We can't do that. Man, to this day, they don't even know. <laughs> they don't even know. They don't even know. And that, like, th that's, what I'm, that's what he's saying. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm actually going to do everything I can not to offend anyone. But then it may come time where I have to open my mouth and share something about what I believe and what the God's word says, and then I offend you. I just need you to see, like, I, my whole life has been, like, I'm trying not to throw up here, and you don't see that. And now I'm just telling you, like, I'm not celebrating Pride Month. Now we're not friends. Like, what? I really loved you. I really tried. That might happen to you. The question is not, what is the easy path you're taking? The question you have to ask yourself is, what brings God glory? Take that path. Whatever you do when you're eating, 
You're like, how many beers should I have? Well, what, what should you have beers? I don't know. What brings God the most glory? One, two, how many? What brings the, whatever brings God the most glory? Should I smoke a cigar? Whatever brings God the most glory. Should I have someone over for dinner? Whatever brings God the most glory. Whatever brings God the most glory is the decision you make in all of your life. That is the resounding refrain of the text. I worship Jesus. I don't worship Baal. I don't worship the false prophets. I don't worship the culture. I don't worship the government. I don't worship the ad, uh, those who advocate for whatever. I don't worship anyone but Jesus. So all my life where I live, work, and play, everything I do will be done unto the worship of Jesus. That's what he is at. That's what he's at. And he wants to get people saved. He's unashamed. I'm doing this in verse 33, so that they may be saved. They meet Jesus. They have their lives transformed by Jesus. They get saved by Jesus. This is the amount of time. I'll give us the last point. And this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So I'm just going to leave us with these verses. These are, the, these are verses about Jesus and the Apostle Paul who wrote this. So he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So his point in all this as, as Christians are engaging in culture, he's saying, hey, do it like I'm doing it. Do it like Jesus did it. So if you're up to this point today, you need to understand you have no choice, Christian. You are to engage in culture like Christ. And how did he do it? It says this, the Son of Man came what? Eating and drinking. And they said... Look at him, a, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Was Jesus drunk ever? No. Did he overeat? No. Did his friends? Yes. He was guilty by association. He was so connected with lost non-Christian people, he had deep, real friendships with them, that the people associate, that the religious people are like, look, he's just as vile as they are. These guy's avoiding culture. They're like, nah, that guy's a, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors. Yet, he says wisdom is justified by our deeds. Jesus didn't do anything sinful. He engaged in culture in such a way that he was hanging around folks who were sinners, and he was calling them to repentance, but he was not sinning. If you can't engage in culture without sinning, then you can't do this verse. This isn't a call for every Christian to go have like drunk friends. If you're getting drunk with them, you can't be, maybe you can't do that. But this is a call to be friends with non-Christians, to, to seek the lost. Jesus also came. If we're going to imitate Jesus, we've got to have that heart. And he says, the Son of Man in Luke 9, 10 says, the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save the lost. That means that as he engaged in culture, he was doing so in such a way to, to, to show a watching world that they needed a Savior, that he would buy them back, he would redeem them, he would die on the cross in their place for their sins. He would raise from the dead victorious, offering them salvation, offering you and I salvation and life. He was seeking them out so they could be saved. That's what he wanted. He wanted people to be saved. You want people to be saved. Do you? Someone wanted you to be saved so they told you about Jesus. I want you to think about that today. Who introduced you to Jesus? How long did it take them to introduce you? How many times did you say, no, nah, I'm not talking to you about that? How many? How many times did you not want to hear it? Can you be that for someone else? Additionally, the Apostle Paul, what did he say? He's imitating Jesus 
And he's calling us to do the same. He says, I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. He's doing the same thing. And then in our chapter today, verse 10, or chapter 10, he says, verse 31, do whatever you do for the glory of God. See, when Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, we look at Christ and go, Christ did the same thing. He engaged with culture, but he did not sin. He did not, if it came to sin, he parted ways with culture. We engage in culture in such a way that when we're asked to sin, we part ways with it. We herald the truth. We, we love culture. We exercise dominion. We create, cultivate. We're, we're participants. We're creators, cultivators, not just consumers. That's what we're doing, just like Jesus was. And so this is the model that, that Jesus gives us. He gave his disciples to be, be creators and cultivators in the culture we live in, not ju- and, and to be ones who, while doing that, contend for the faith. Why? Because we want people to be saved. We want people to be, have the life you have, the new life you have. We didn't, get, we didn't save ourselves. Jesus saved us. We're simply telling the world, like, I don't know how it happened. I was not a Christian. I was lost. I actually hated Jesus. I didn't want anything to do with this word of ways. I edited the scriptures. I rebelled against them. I didn't want him to have control over my life. I didn't want to submit to anyone. I wanted to be my own God. And Jesus stepped in. And he saved me. And I tasted something different. I saw something different. My eyes were open. I see things differently. I was changed. Because I'm changed, I can't go back. I can't unsee what I've seen. I can't stop saying what I've heard. I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. I was once like you, and and I'm not against you, man. I'm just telling you, I got set free. I'm trying to tell you how to get set free too. If you don't want to be friends, then I'm sorry. I want to be friends with you. I want to to be friends with you, and I want you to know my, my best friend, Jesus Christ. And so that's the goal. That's the objective to engage in culture in such a way that we're, we're seeking not our own glory, but the glory of God, which, which, which overflows in the way we live, love, and serve, and bless others. Also means that sometimes we've got to open our mouth and declare what is true, say, no, I can't participate, can't do that, because it offends God. All the while trying, pleading ha- with the folks we have a relationship with to see our Savior as their Savior, 